Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Resting Place South Tampa campus. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear, and we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org. I am excited about the word today. Uh, this is a, a message God gave me a few weeks ago. This will be the fourth time I've preached it, so hopefully it's even better than the first time, you know. Um, <clears throat> I am bringing this to all the campuses of the resting place because every now and then the Lord does that. He says, this is for everybody. Like, this isn't just for that campus or this campus. This is for the whole uh, congregation of the resting place. So um, it's called the purpose of holiness. And I really do believe that you need this word. I believe this is a paradigm shifting work. I believe the church herself has misunderstood the entire purpose of that word holiness. And it's caused us a lot of problems. So I'm going to jump into it. But I want to pray right now something I've been praying when I've been preaching lately is that we would have this same level of encounter or greater during the preaching of the word that we had in the worship. Amen. Titus 1.3 actually says that while Paul says the word was manifest while I preached the word. He said the word, the capital W word was made manifest while I preached the word. And he wasn't like being redundant. He was saying the presence of God came in when he breathed. That's my prayer is that we would experience the presence of God. So let's pray. Father God, we expect you now. Holy Spirit, we anticipate you now to come and move in power. And God, we thank you that while we are singing to you, you move in power. While we are worshiping you. It, but God, I pray right now as the word is released, as your scriptures are read, as your concepts are made clear that your person would be presented and that we would encounter you face to face face to face let us speak to you like a man speaks to a friend face to face like Moses in the tent of meeting face to face God that we walk out of here glowing <laughs> and we can't turn it off like light us up Lord make it lit <laughs> so that we can be a witness so that we can be those who make peace reign in the earth. God, we're praying. We're praying now that you would make yourself known in Jesus' name. <clears throat> Amen? Amen. The purpose of holiness. Did you know that holiness is not the end goal? It's the path. Holiness is a path. We have called holiness holy action. Doing the right thing, not doing the wrong thing. In the church, we've called that the goal. And I'd like to submit to you as your brother in Christ today that that is wrong. That it is, it is an inadequate goal. It is not the highest goal. That there is a purpose, a motivation, and an end point for holiness. That holiness is actually just the path we walk on. If you see this carpet down here, like that side, this side. Don't do this. Do this. We're walking on this path, but there's something over here at the end of the path. And when we call the path the purpose, we have empty shells of what could be. We have a form of godliness that actually lacks its power. I'm getting ahead of myself. But I need you to know that the ways of God are just that, ways. They are ways. They are ways of higher living. They are the best ways. Like, I love saying this. Jesus is not a buzzkill. He's literally the life of the party. He is the life of the party. Okay, his ways are the best ways. God's ways are not to be burdensome. They are the blessings of humanity. It's the highest way of being human. 
The highest form, the best form of humanity is the holiness of God. But just being at your best is not actually the goal. And we've made it the goal. People like you think about some of the recent history, some of the some of the attempts in the church, like purity culture, where everybody wore rings and lied, right? <laughs> I know I'm right about this. I lived through it. I was in youth group those days. All right. What but but they said they said things like, don't have sex. We said why? Because that's making holiness the purpose, not the path. Just one potent example for you. And it's good. We need to walk as obedient children. Holiness is not, it's not taboo. It's not old school. Okay, if it's old school, I'm old school. All right? Like, it's the ways of God. It's the best ways of living. But we've made them the point of living, and that's where we've gone wrong. So I want to shift it for you today. Let's look at this, though. 1 Peter 1, 14 through 16 this is where the new covenant command to be holy is most often cited. It's good. It says, as obedient children, who wants to be that? Anybody? Like, your dad's awesome, okay? Your Abba's amazing. He's incredible. He knows what he's doing. He wants the best for you. Amen? So I want to be obedient because he just, he's just really awesome, like really good, okay? This is what I tell my kids. I'm like, you need to listen. They're like, why? They're like, I don't want to listen. I'm like, because I want to help you. I'm helping you. And they're like, how are you helping me? You're telling me to do something I don't want to do. I'm like, I promise you, this is practice right here. I'm like, you need to learn to listen to me. You need to now. This is my five-year-old. Like, you need to learn to listen to me now because out there, when you get out there, you won't have me to tell you every day what to do. And he's like, What? I won't be with you. And he's like, I want to be with you forever. I'm like, you love daddy, right? He's like, yeah. I'm like, daddy loves you, and he has a good plan for you. I know the plans I have for you, child. I want to help you. You got to apply the Bible, y'all. You can't just quote it. You got to apply it. And he's like, he's like, okay. I'm like, because one day you'll be on your own, and you'll have a family. He's like, what? I'm like, yeah, yeah. You're going to have a family, and you're going to have little kids running around, and you're going to be doing what daddy's doing right now. And it's like, wow. He's like, cool. I'm like, yeah. So do you need to listen? He's like, I need to listen. I need to listen. <laughs> he... Come on. Yeah. Right? No, but this is as obedient children. Obedience has become like, ugh, like in the church, like obey. Like that's like people are triggered because it's been abused. So it's straight up, it's been abused. For sure. But we still want it, right? <clears throat> Just because something has been abused and misused doesn't mean it shouldn't be used. Just because something's been abused and misused doesn't mean it shouldn't be used. Like, there's been bad teachings on money. I still want it. I still need money. I still need money. I got to pay my mortgage. You know, Hello? <clears throat> There's been bad teachings on heaven. I still plan on going there. Amen? Amen. <clears throat> Just because something's been misused or abused doesn't mean it shouldn't be used. So let's be obedient children. It says, as obedient children, oh, Lord. Okay, I got to go a little faster. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. Right there, 
it shows that you ain't ignorant anymore. Okay? You have been brought into the light. You have been informed. You have been told. You have the Spirit of God, and you, you know what's right and wrong. Right? You once were trafficked by sin. You had a sin nature. You were born under the sin of Adam. And you were raised in a system of selflessness, all riddled with pain. And you were ignorant of the ways of God, formerly. Anybody? Anybody? That's former ignorance. You can't claim the ignorance anymore. I didn't know. Yeah, you do. You actually do. The world, they don't know. Like, quit blaming the world for being good at their job. Okay, quit blaming sinners for being good at sinning. I blame the church for being good at sinning. Because you ain't got no excuses anymore. The Holy Spirit's come inside you. So, <laughs> lost all your excuses, bro. Well, I'm just a wretch. Uh, no, you're just a saint who used to be a wretch. You were saved. Anybody been saved? <laughs> Did you know that you are, according to the scriptures, a saint? Otherwise, two-thirds of the New Testament is not written to you. It's illegal reading. You're opening someone else's mail. He writes to, to the saints in Ephesus, to the saints in Thessalonica, to the saints in Rome. You're reading someone else's mail if you're not belonging to that family. Okay? Just saying. Do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. You used to passionately sin. You used to passionately live in the world. Right? And now, why are you so impassionately serving the Lord? It's like you were a lion in the world, and now you're a little meow meow cat in the church. What? Doesn't make sense. <clears throat> Do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy. We just were singing it, English and Spanish, all right? I can get away with that. I married a Puerto Rican, so I can sing, Santo, Santo, Santo. I can sing that. I may look white, but just saying. <clears throat> As he who called you is holy, say holy. holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. You notice it doesn't say do holy. It says be holy. It means the doing is a natural result of being. It means it's actually who you are because it's who he is. He didn't say you be holy because it's what I want for you. He said it you be holy because I am. So it's his nature to be holy, and therefore it's your new nature to be the same. Right? Okay. So be holy because it's who I am. Now let's look at 1 John 4, 7 through 8. This is another one of those nature-defining scriptures. It says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. Whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. So the first one is, be holy, for I am holy. And then he says, be loving, for I am love. Amen? God is holy, and God is love. And let me just submit to you that the purpose of holiness is love. The purpose of holiness is love. Love for one another. And I just, I'm going to say a bunch of things, and I'm going to pause so you can think about it, okay? Holiness is actually what makes you the most effective lover. So it says, do not lie to one another, right? Colossians 3, do not give false witness to your neighbor, the Ten Commandments, right? 
1 Corinthians 6 says you once were liars, right? But now you're something else. Why? Don't lie because it's wrong to lie. That's what we usually, because it's wrong. It's wrong. You know what you need to connect the dots to? Because it is not the way of love. You cannot lie and love at the same time. I can't love you and lie to you. I'm stepping out of love to lie to you. I'm getting off the path of holiness to do that. So it's a higher goal. I think that gives it power rather than don't lie. Why? Because you shouldn't. Because God says not to. That's making holiness its own purpose. Are you following me? Right? Don't be sexually immoral. Why? Because you shouldn't. Why? Because that is not the way to love. Cheating on your spouse, immorality, things like that. That is not the way to love your spouse. Right? So holiness is what makes us the most effective lovers possible. And that, I want to attach that to you, that that is the touchdown. I'm walking in love towards everyone. I'm loving each and every person I meet because love is from God. Anyone who doesn't love doesn't know God. So holiness is not the goal. It's the path that leads to greater love. Let's zoom out a little bit, okay? Jesus, we know these things, but let's just zoom out for a second. It'll help you. Jesus is not in the business of making old things better, okay? He is in the business of making dead things alive. Amen? Amen? So Jesus did not die and rise again to make more sinners. There's plenty of those already, right? He died and rose again to purify a people for himself. But that wasn't the whole goal. He wanted a holy people. Why? Unto something else. The people purified for himself are the only ones capable of loving a dead and dying world back to life. Are you catching this? You see this? That without the cross, without Jesus dying, rising again, making us holy, we would be unable to love the world into the kingdom. We would have no capacity to do it. And yet, we've said he's died and rose again just to make us able for holiness. Just so that we could do the right thing. Do you see how that shoots short? That misses the target. That misses the goal. When you make holy actions the goal, you do not reach the ultimate purpose of holiness. It's the path, not the purpose. I hope this iPad holds on. It is dying quickly. (laughs) I charged it this morning. Not enough. There we go. Life in Jesus' name. Let me say it this way. Holiness is the how-to manual for love. And vice versa. How do I love my neighbor? Be holy towards them. How do I be holy towards them? Love them. It's like two sides of the same coin. And let me say this to you. Holiness without love is no holiness at all. Holiness without love is a big old hole in the middle of it. Okay? It does not work. I don't know if you've met anyone like this, but the people, it's out of Second Timothy 3.5. I don't have it on the screens, but... It says there will be a people disobedient to their parents, all this stuff. And then it says having a form of godliness but lacking its power. Some translate say denying its power, meaning it doesn't allow it access. 
a form of godliness denying its power. That's holiness as the purpose, not the path. I don't smoke. I don't chew. I don't go with those who do, right? All these things. Oh, I don't, I don't drink. I don't know. I don't know. Why? Because it's just wrong. Do you hear any power in that? No. But someone says, I don't drink. Why? Because God showed me that when I drink, I can't love you. Boom. Now there's power in there, right? I don't, I, I'm not going to lie to you. Why? Because I, I can't love you and lie to you. That's a way better answer than, well, it's against the ways of God, brother. These are the ways of God. And you should walk in his ways. Why? To, to obey him. Why? Because he'll be happier with you. That's where it goes. That's where it goes. You want favor with God? Do what he says. All this stuff. When, in fact, he's well pleased with you already. I'm well pleased with my five-year-old. And yet teaching him to obey. He's not gaining my love. He's receiving it. So any attempt at holiness without love as the ultimate goal will end in a form of godliness lacking any real power. If love is not the goal, just quit. Just quit. Just quit now. But you make love the goal, oh, man. Watch it all become just like, I can't do that. I have to do this. I can no longer talk like that. I have to talk like this because I want to love. This is paradigmic, meaning this is like base operational stuff. Like in a computer, like this is the, the baseline code that everything springs out of. You know the passage, if I sing or the, if I speak in the tongue of angels, I have not love, I have not nothing. I have nothing, right? We need to connect those dots. Holiness without love is no holiness at all. And the reality is Jesus has made us holy. So I'm going to get into some things that might, uh, I mean, if you're not challenged yet, it's coming. Don't worry. <clears throat> I'm here to challenge you. I really am here to challenge you in the best possible way, okay? I'm not going to tickle your ears. I don't care to do that. I don't need this job. I'm totally fine. I'm good, okay? Jesus, in fact, sanctified himself to sanctify us. He didn't just set himself apart to be set apart because that's what sanctified means, set apart for holy use, okay? He didn't just do it just to do it. He did it unto us being set apart for holy use, okay? Listen to this, John 17, verse 17 through 21. This is Jesus praying to the Father. He says, your word is truth, so make them holy by the truth. I have commissioned them to represent me as just as you commissioned me to represent you. And now, listen to this, I dedicate myself to them as a holy sacrifice so that they will live as fully dedicated to God and be made holy by your truth. Right there, you're like, well, see, it sounds like holiness is the purpose. Well, it says, I ask not only for these disciples, but also for those who will one day believe in me through their message. Hey, that's us. Like, that's us in this room, right? I pray for them all to be joined together as one, even as you and I, Father, are joined together as one. I pray for them to become one with us so that the world will recognize that you sent me. What is oneness? It's love. It's I'm with you. I want you. I'm together. We're, there's a higher end goal here than just you being purified. It's you being connected to the body. It's you being in a relationship with other humans who love you and you love them. 
Are you hearing this? And we got to get we got to get shifted here. All right. There's a covenantal shift needed. There's a shift needed. All right. Because we are still in the church operating through old covenant paradigms in many ways. And I'm going to find them and poke them right now. And I'm going to find them. I'm just going to beep in the spirit if the Lord helps me. And he will because he likes this about me. He made me this way. So it's good. There's this word used in the New Covenant Church, in our church, in the New Testament church here. Not Bible, but our church, the common church. It's called consecration. Who's used that word? Who's heard that word? Consecration. Yeah, consecration. Yeah. There's entire books written about it. There's entire conferences. There's entire, all this stuff. Consecrate yourself unto the Lord. Consecrate a fast. Consecrate a building. Consecrate, consecrate, consecrate. I'd like to announce to you that it is not used in the New Testament. Not even once. And there's a reason. There is a reason. The old covenant required people to consecrate themselves and for them to consecrate things. It was required. Okay? To consecrate literally means this. To make something holy. If you read in the Strong's Concordance, it's causatively make. So you are the cause of it being holy. Right? Like clean it. Wash it. Clean your clothes. Whatever. Right? The priests had to consecrate themselves before going into the presence, that type of stuff, okay? Here's some examples, if you want to look it up. I don't know, but those are just some examples for you of where God said, consecrate yourself, okay? You need to hear this. He said, make yourself holy so that I can use you. That was commanded under the old covenant, amen? Did you know that Jesus went to pretty great lengths to end that covenant and start a new one? I mean, he went pretty far. Like, he did a lot. He worked really hard at this, guys. Like, and I think he did a good job. I think Jesus did a good job of closing one covenant and beginning a new one. And yet we still operate paradigmically from old covenant mindsets of consecrate yourself unto me. The new covenant never requires you to consecrate yourself. It says a different word. It says present yourselves. How do you get to present yourselves? He's made you presentable. For this reason, I sanctify myself that they might be sanctified. When you believe that he died and rose again, that he is Lord, that he is God, you receive the Holy Spirit. How is the Holy Spirit in an unholy vessel? It's not. Let me help you. It's not. I don't have the reference, but remember Bates, uh, um, what's his name? Homie that tried to study the ark when it was falling off the cart. They were carrying the presence incorrectly. Sorry. You know, what is that? Whatever name. Yeah, something weird. Aza or something. It's something like Uzzah. That's right. It's like Uzzah. Yeah, that guy. Well-intended, good-hearted. The ark of the covenant has the presence of God inside of it, and it's about to fall in the dirt. And he just puts his hand on there like, oh, don't let that beautiful golden thing Fall in the dirt. I don't want that. He dies for touching it. You can look this up. Google it. All right. He dies for touching it. Why? Because he was an unholy vessel and he touched the box that carried the Holy Spirit. So if unholy vessel touching the outside of the box that carries the Holy Spirit, the result is death. How did the Holy Spirit come inside your box? How did you become the box? Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Amen? So the new covenant 
requires us to do something, but it is not to make ourselves holy. It's to present ourselves as holy vessels. I'll prove it to you. Romans 12.1. You know this verse, but maybe you'll hear it in a new way. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present yourselves. Here I am, Lord. Present yourselves, your bodies, sorry, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy. How did I get holy? It doesn't say consecrate yourself. It doesn't say clean yourself up. It doesn't say set yourself apart. It says just present yourself. It says show up. It's what Abraham was saying earlier. It's just come to me. Come. Just come here. We boldly approach the throne of grace, right? Come on. You realize what you all experienced here in worship, that presence of God, hopefully the presence you're feeling now, that was illegal for everyone except for the high priests in the old covenant and only once a year? Nobody got that. Why? Because they had to clean themselves up to get there. You just walked in here today with all your flaws, your mistakes, your insecurities. What happened? What happened? Jesus. Jesus happened. And now you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Romans 6, 13 through 14. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And your members, that's your arms, your eyes, your tongue, your brain, to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law but under grace. He's saying you're not in the old covenant anymore. The law covenant. You're in the grace covenant. And you get to present yourself to God. So why are you cleaning yourself up with your fasting program? Why do you think your Bible study makes God listen to you more? Why do you think you need to pray in tongues for 30 minutes before you actually give a word? Just give the word already. Stop it. I'm tired of listening to something I can't understand. Just give the word. We have this stuff operating in the church. Do you see it? I'm trying to help you see it. We do. Ooh, I can't. Ooh, I can't go to that love reach. I can't minister to those ladies. I got problems. You, you just said your problems have the final word on his finished work. Your problems are more potent than his death, burial, and resurrection. How dare you? How dare you? That degrades the sacrifice of the son of the living God. That degrades the power of his resurrection. I'll have none of it. I will have none of it. I'll have no calls for consecration at the resting place. Zero. Zero. I'm not mad at my friends. I got friends who use this language. I'm not mad at them, but I'm not okay with it here. It's not happening. Not in my house. Because it, it says, Jesus, good try, but I got to help you out a little bit. I, you missed a spot. I gotta, I'm not... Present yourselves because you've been made presentable. Isn't that good news, though? I mean, like, come on. Here's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit it again here out of Hebrews 10. 
We've actually already been made holy, sanctified. I'm just going to read to you Hebrews 10, verse 1 through 18. This is in the Passion Translation. This is like the final word on it. You know, the book of Hebrews is actually, the author is writing to the Jewish people. That's why it's called Hebrews. It's good news for the Jews. That's what the book of Hebrews is. Good news for the Jews, all right? It is. You can think of it that way. So when you're reading this, you got to realize this is written to a Jewish person who is struggling to accept Jesus. You got to think of it that way, okay? That is the reason for all this stuff. You got to, you know, go to your Bible and keep your brain turned on, please. Like, people go to the Bible, turn their brain off, stop that. Like, keep your, allow yourself to think. Think and drink, all right? You can drink and think at the same time. It's called the Holy Ghost. All right. So, it says, the old system of living under the law presented us with only a faint shadow, a crude outline of the reality of the wonderful blessings to come. Even with its steady stream of sacrifices offered year after year, there was still nothing that could make our hearts perfect before God. For if animal sacrifices could once and for all eliminate sin, they would have ceased to be offered, and the worshipers would have clean consciousness. This, just so you know, background, this is what they would do. They would offer a lamb or a goat or some animal to, as a blood offering for their sins, and every year they would atone. On the Day of Atonement, they would atone for their sins. They would clean themselves up. The priest would take it. It was a bloodbath. That was their worship service. It was a meat locker, all right? Aren't you grateful for the new covenant? I mean, really. I don't even like knowing how my food is prepared. I would have not had a good a time at church back in the day. You know what I mean? Just wouldn't have. I've seen a lamb actually be, um, like, its throat be cut and all that stuff for us to eat. I couldn't eat it. I couldn't do it. I was just kidding. But that was literally what they did, okay? In order to atone for sin. Did you know the Lamb of God actually died on the Day of Atonement? On the Day of Atonement. Jesus, the Lamb, died on that day. They were sacrificing lambs in the temple, and the true Lamb of God was being sacrificed on that hill outside the courts. Same day, same time. This is on purpose. A covenant was shifting. And we're still operating from these old covenant things. How dare we? That's my position. Like, how dare we? It's not okay with me. It's just not. If animal sacrifices could once and for all eliminate sin, they would have ceased to be offered and the worshipers would have clean consciences. Instead, once was not enough. So by the repetitive sacrifices, year after year, the worshipers were continually reminded of their sins with their hearts still impure. Sounds like church in most places every Sunday. Come in here, come to the altar, and weep and lament for your sinful ways. Anybody been in those services? Anybody led one? Don't raise your hand. Yeah. <clears throat> Me too. I grew up in this stuff, Okay. I'm thankful for my roots, though. I'm a Baptocostal, y'all. I'm a Baptocostal. Grew up Baptist, got slapped by the Holy Ghost. I'm good with both, okay? I can hang out in both camps. It's fun, all right? Someone told me once, they gave me a prophetic word, that I'm bilingual in the spirit. I can speak to charismatics and non-charismatics. I'm bilingual in the spirit. I'm like, amen, I take that. So <clears throat> this is, I mean, continually reminded of their sins with their hearts still impure. You're going to have to come back next week because, I mean, you cried it out now, but you're going to screw up in like T minus 30 seconds. And then you need to come back again because, and you know what we have? We have full altars with empty hearts. That's why it has to keep happening. 
because nothing's changing. It has no power. It's a form of godliness that denies its power. You know what the Bible says? I didn't finish that thought earlier. 2 Timothy 3.5 it says, avoid those people. <laughs> so don't make yourself someone I have to avoid according to Scripture. Okay? <clears throat> By being self-righteous and silly. <laughs> I don't want to have to avoid you. Out of obedience to my Father, I don't want to have to avoid you. You picking up what I'm putting down? I do avoid people. There are people who used to be my friends, and I, I straight up avoid them. I avoid them because they have a form of godliness that denies the power, and I would just want to walk the path, bro. And you're like, that doesn't sound very loving. Oh, believe me, it is. It's the most loving thing I can do is avoid them. Okay, I'll, get, I'll leave it alone. <laughs> okay, what power does the blood of bulls and goats have to remove sin's guilt? None. So when Jesus the Messiah came into the world, he said, since your ultimate desire was not another animal sacrifice, you have clothed me with a body that I might offer myself instead. Burnt offerings, multiple burnt offerings and sin offerings cannot satisfy your justice. So I said to you, God, I will be the one to go and do your will to fulfill all that is written of me in your word. First, he said multiple burnt offerings and sin offerings cannot satisfy your justice, even though the law required them to be offered. And then he said, God, I will be the one to go and do your will. So by being the sacrifice that removes sin, this is the Bible. I'm just reading you the Bible. It's not my opinion. Being the sacrifice that removes sin, he abolishes animal sacrifices and replaces that entire system with the new covenant. By God's will, we have been purified and made holy once and for all through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus the Messiah. You can, I have Pastors, God bless them, have literally come up to me and said, you cannot tell people they're set free from the flesh. You cannot tell people they're set free from sin. And you know what my response was? I said, you're right, I can't. But can the Holy Ghost, according to the Apostle Paul, in Romans 6, verse 10 through 12, and 13 through 14, and Galatians 2, 20, and 1 Corinthians 6, 17, and Hebrews 10, 10. And I just, can they tell them? I would never dare say that. I'm just repeating it. Don't shoot the messenger, bro. I didn't come up with this. By God's will, we have been purified and made holy once and for all. Half this room doesn't believe that. At least half, maybe 62.3% doesn't believe that. I don't know. Just gauging it. I'm just, you're like, oh, yeah, yeah. No, think about it. You feel pure? Every day? You're going to. It's called the walk of faith. It's called the path of holiness. It's a great feeling. I wake up in the morning clean. I go to sleep clean. Not because of what I've done but because of Jesus and my response to his work. I am walking that path, okay? He says don't do something. I don't do it. Why? Because I'm learning to listen. <laughs> he says do something. I do it. Why? Because this is the path. It's not the purpose, right? It's the path. 
we have been purified and made holy once and for all through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus the Messiah. So if you are doing something to make yourself clean and right before God, you are in disbelief. You are not believing that, that statement. Is this making sense? I want to bring it home for you. Like, if your Bible study or your prayer is not a path, it's a purpose unto holiness. Are you hearing me? Then you don't believe that. In your, in your knower, in your, like, deep belief, like, your head is like, I agree because the Bible says it, I have to. Uh, but in your, like, believer, in your depths, like, it says, as a man believes in his heart, so is he. You know that word heart is actually kidneys in the Hebrew? As a man believes in his kidneys. <laughs> what does a kidney do? It filters the blood. How are you processing his blood? As a man filters the blood of Jesus, so is he. Maybe you need to go back and filter that thing again. The filter on my refrigerator needs to be replaced. This just reminded me. <laughs> he cares about heaven and earth, y'all. Like, I need to do that. I need to order that on Amazon. It's legit. <laughs> it's what you believe in your depths, like in the kidneys, in, the, in your inner man. That's how you'll be acting. Whatever you're believing there is what you'll be living here. <clears throat> By God's will, we have been purified and made holy once and for all through the body of Jesus the Messiah. Oh, it's so good news. It's such good news. I don't have to make myself holy. I can skip all that ritual stuff and I can just be holy. I don't have to do holy. I can be holy. It's so fun, y'all. It's so much fun. It is. These are the best ways of living. I, uh, I work at a cable park. Uh, it's a, a wakeboarding. And there goes my iPad. I got my phone. We're good. I work at a, um, yeah, this place where it's like a floating skate park. You should come with me sometimes, sometime and wakeboard. I'll teach you. Anyway, and I was there yesterday. We had a, a lightning delay. So we're just hanging out, and I'm talking with all these guys. And, uh, you know, it's just these are just people are just in the world, man. Like, worldly, 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 worldly people, right? And there's just, you know, there's good-natured people. It's not, like, crazy, but, like, you know, whatever. And I'm just talking to these people, and, and one guy, one of them says something. They start talking about, like, seasons of life, and I just start, my ears open. I'm like, I just pay attention to what they're talking about, and I just kind of join in the conversation because I have nothing else to do. And start talking about seasons, like, embracing, like, it's just not the where I'm at in life. And I'm, I'm like, yeah, that's so true, man. i like, why fight your season, right? And they're like, yeah. <laughs> why fight your season? I'm like, you embrace that thing, man, and you get to step into the fullness of it. They're like, the fullness of the season. <laughs> I'm like Gandhi to them, all right? Like, it's like, <laughs> for <laughs> But what is happening? They're recognizing holy speech. That's someone on the uh, path. I'm not on that path. But they're, they're talking from another world. And then I got to testify, not in the way I would in this room. I got to testify. Like, man, where I'm at right now, I have a beautiful wife, two amazing children. I own a home. 
I am the most blessed individual I know. I am so grateful every day. When, and they're just like looking at me. They don't own houses. They don't have hopes and dreams. They're not in like covenanted relationships. You know, they're just looking at me. And this one guy goes like, he's just, he's like, that's amazing. I'm like, yeah. He's like, he's like, I never thought about it before, but like, that's amazing. You know what he's saying? He's like, I want that. I was like, there's a path to get there, bro. Don't do that. Do this. Don't do that. Do this. It's a path to get there. The fullness of the season, bro. <laughs> yeah. Straight up. Absolutely. And then we're like, and then we go back to talking about toe back 900s and gnarly backflips and things like that. And we're all, you know. But there was a moment, there was a window there where I went, boop, seed. You know? Come on. I heard a, a very wise man named Abraham Villanueva say once, the harvest will never fight you. It's always ready. Whoop. If it's harvest, it's ready. So I'm waiting for that moment. Anyway. Where was I? Oh, I can't get off this verse. I want us to say it together. By God's will, we have been purified and made holy once and for all through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus the Messiah. Say, I agree, Lord. All right. It'll get from your head to your heart eventually. And then the writer goes on because writing to Jews in the temple, yet everyday priests still serve, ritually offering the same sacrifices again and again, sacrifices that can never take away sin's guilt. And we can do the same thing. Right, we're not doing animal sacrifices, I hope. God, if you're doing that, please stop. Like you're at your house killing chickens and stuff. Oh, Lord. <laughs> uh, don't do that. But you know what we do? We are like, I, I really, I can't, I can't even see humans until I get my coffee and my Jesus. And I got to study the Bible before I can be around you people because I'm just not right. I told you I was going to look for the buttons. And like, ping, ping, ping. Doesn't take anything away. It doesn't remove anything. And it's totally ignorant because it's already been removed. You don't have a flesh problem. You got a faith problem. That's the problem. Flesh has been dealt with. Faith is the fight. Fight the fight of faith. So much of the church is fighting the fight of flesh because they don't even believe Jesus paid it all. That Jesus sanctified them. <laughs> fighting the wrong fight. You are not on the path. And you think you are because you look good on the outside. That's a form of godliness. Denying its power, I'm to avoid you. So get with the program so we can hang out. Cool? <laughs> These sacrifices that can never take away sin's guilt. But when this priest, say this priest, that's Jesus. When this priest had offered the one supreme sacrifice for sin. You hearing the language? The supreme sacrifice for sin for all time. He sat down on a throne at the right hand of God, waiting until all of his whispering enemies are subdued and turned into a footstool, his footstool. And by his one perfect sacrifice, he made us perfectly holy and complete for all time. 
The Holy Spirit confirms this to us by this scripture. For the Lord says afterwards, I will give them this covenant. I will embed my laws into their hearts and fasten my word to their thoughts. And then he says, I will not ever again remember their sins and lawless deeds. So if our sins have been forgiven and forgotten, why would we ever need to offer another sacrifice for sin? This is the oneness God wants. That we would come into this alignment with the one. And we would be one as a result. But we cannot have things like church unity without believing we're in we're one with God. It's impossible. We can't believe we're one with God if we still believe we're like, uh, you know, unholy. Like, I know what we mean when we say stuff, but like all the memes and things, half holy, half hood. No, you're not. Right? It says, pray with me, don't play with me. All that stuff we say, stop. These are confessions of unbelief. (laughs) We can't be one with one another if we don't believe we're one with a holy and perfect God. How do you be holy? How do you be one with a holy and perfect God? You're holy. You're perfect. Are you acting like it? No, you might not be walking the path. But no matter where you go, it doesn't undo how far he's gone. He has gone to the ends of this thing. And you have to receive that. I'm not saying everybody's saved. I'm not, it's not preaching universalism here. I'm saying those who received him, he gave the rights to be called children of God. Everybody's a child of God, but not everybody has the rights. You have to receive him to receive the rights. This is about honoring King Jesus. This is about honoring what he's done. So I'm not saying everybody has these rights. I'm saying everyone who received Jesus has the rights. The rights that are rightfully theirs. Because the devil has fathered no one. Okay, he's the father of all. And yet, not all of his children are found in him. There are lost sons and daughters out there. Right? And we have been found. Hallelujah. And we have the rights to walk this way. Meaning you are able to be holy. Even that for some of you is like, what? You are able to be holy. Not only are you able, it should be probable. Not just possible, probable. I'm probably going to be holy today. (laughs) It's most likely that I'm going to do the right thing. I just expect myself to bless everyone I meet. I do not anticipate being hateful towards anyone ever again. I just said, like, all the things the church says in the opposite form. (laughs) Probably going to sin today. Probably going to be impatient today. I mean, I got to drive on 275. I'm definitely going to be impatient. (laughs) It's just natural. It's natural. I'm only human. No, you're not. No, you're not. The God man made you more than man. Man. (laughs) Sorry, I got back to the cable park for a second there. (laughs) Come on, bro. You want the fullness of the season? Let's go back to John 17. We're going to read a little bit more, and then I'm done. John 17, 21 through 23. So we're going to read a little bit of what we read earlier and then finish it. 
He says, I pray for them all to be joined together as one, even as you and I, Father, are joined together as one. I pray for them to become one with us so that the world will recognize that you sent me. Did you know union with God is the greatest measure of evangelism we've got? <laughs> you know why the church stinks at evangelism? By and large, capital C, we don't believe we're one with God. We're not very enthusiastic about evangelism, are we? Has anyone been enthused? Have you been filled with God? Are you one with God? For the podcast that was earlier, enthusiasm means filled with God in the original language. Sorry. People be listening back to this, and they didn't hear the part of worship that I shared that, so you can go look that up. Anyway, I care about everyone who's listening to this, and I'm thinking about them, so this is whatever. It says, so that the world will recognize that you sent me. If we, like, next week at Together, when seven, 60, 70, 80, however many churches close their doors and come together and be in one place, that's going to say something to the world. Those people can all get along, but they all think different thoughts. They all, they approach God differently. You know, we're going to have uh, Messianic Jews there praying, Shresh David, their whole congregation's coming. I'm going after charismatic Catholics right now. I want the Catholic church represented next year. They're not this year. I'm going after. I'm like, when the world, the world will look at that and be impressed. You know what they're not impressed with? I don't lie. I don't drink alcohol because I don't want to get drunk. You know, the, the world is like, wow, you're so amazing. You know how unimpressive we are to the world? When we make holiness the purpose, not the path. I don't do wrong things. You do wrong things. I do right things. Are you impressed yet? <laughs> the opposite. They're disgusted. Like, oh, get out my face, bro. You know what's impressive? Those people love each other. They got different skin color different languages, different denominations. Like there's going to be like 15 denominations represented. It's ridiculous. This is miracle stuff, guys. Like this is miracle. Like this is historic, okay? On a Sunday morning, maybe you could do it like National Day of Prayer on a Thursday night. Everybody gets along, whatever. Shutting the doors on a Sunday morning? That is the sacred cow of the Western church, just so you know. We are demolishing the golden calf. We are. We are. That the world will recognize that God sent Jesus. This is what's going to impress them and pull them in. According to Jesus. He could be wrong, but I don't think so. <laughs> For the very glory you've given to me, I have given them so that they will be joined together as one and experience the same unity that we enjoy. You live fully in me, and now I live fully in them, so that they will experience perfect unity, and the world will be convinced that you have sent me. For they will see that you love each one of them with the same passionate love you have for me. What? If we could just get along, the world will recognize that God loves us the way he loves Jesus. The Father. Jesus is God, by the way. Trinity. I have to say these things because it's whatever. Because, you know, I'll help you with the Trinity right now. Father, Son, Spirit. You ready? People think it's one plus one plus one equals one. That's bad math. It's one times one times one equals one. 
uh, the Trinity. Did I say enough once? I said the word one a million times. One times one times one equals one. That's good math. That's the Trinity. There you go. Solved a dilemma for hundreds of years in the church just with some math. It's called multiplication, guys. I learned it in the third grade. All right. <laughs> so sassy sometimes. Man. <clears throat> Listen, God is looking for a people who will respond to his consecration efforts and love one another well. That's my whole sermon in one sentence. God is looking for a people who will respond to his consecration efforts and love one another well. Holiness is the path. Love is the goal. You need both. You need both. Love is the purpose of holiness. All right, so I believe there's a few groups in here right now. I'm just going to say to group number one, there are some here who, like, you live for the mission. You want to bring heaven to earth, and you're, like, you're like constantly working on project after project. You see the blueprints. You see the scheme, right, in a good way. You see the whole picture, right? The, you who have that drive in you, you need to see that Jesus made you effective for every effort he calls you to. He has made you effective for the effort. He has given you the capacity to walk in holiness and love in such a way that every project he puts before you is more than possible. It's probable because Christ is in you. If you're a builder in here, if you're that kind of person, you're like, I love, I got to build something. I got to make an impact. I wanna, and I want heaven to come on it. You got to start this way. I'm able to do it. I'm able. I'm able because Christ is in me. Group number two, there's people, probably a lot of y'all in here, who see with great clarity the heavenly realms, like your eyes are on heaven, and you have great insight into the heart of God, what he loves, what he hates. You need to see that the spirit of holiness has come home to live in your tabernacle for one reason, to love your neighbor well. Not to correct them, to love them. Not to judge them, to love them. You're not simply to see the heavens. You are to bring heavenly atmosphere into every situation in a heavenly and Christ-like way. Some people like this in the church, they just forget that God is the kindest person they've ever met. And they go around in very mean ways declaring the meaning of God's word and the meaning of his heart. It's not okay. Group number three, there are those who are continually seeing the lost and broken around you. There's, there's hurting people. There's lost people. You need to realize that holiness in your life is the gift of Christ so that you can love them well. Holiness is never an authorization for condemning the world, but only for inviting the world into his love. You're not simply to reach out to those who don't know the Lord for the sake of their eternity, but also for the sake of eternal love and in the way of eternal love. Group number four. You, wanna, you just want to build healthy families and community. You want to gather people into uh, community so that they see one another, so that you are connected, so that nobody slips through the cracks. You have to realize that the holiness of God and its pathways are required if you want to build on love. You can't sweep stuff under the rug and call it family. You can't just forget that people are harming one another and say, well, we don't want to scatter anybody. We want to keep them together. So... Let's not talk about it. Love is the only thing that binds a free people together. 
It's the only thing that binds the free people together. Listen, without holiness leading to greater love, this group of people will attempt to control others into doing and saying the right thing. It'll turn into control. Well-meaning, but it'll, it'll end there. You are not simply called to bring people together. You are binding them as one body in love. Do any of these resonate with any of you all? I hope so. Okay, the last one, fifth group. Those who desire to understand the truth of God and share it. Not just understand it, but share the understanding. So that people around you can walk out of deception and into the light. You must make love the ultimate goal of your sharing. You're not only called to speak the truth, you're called to speak the truth in love. The foundation of facts and head knowledge will always crack under the extreme pressure and societal shifts. But love never fails. You are not only called to bring people into an awareness of God's ways and God's plan, but to bring an awareness of God himself. And God is love. The purpose of holiness is love. And we're all have our own ways, our own proclivities, our own, you know, personalities, even spiritual personalities. That was what I was talking through, different spiritual personalities. I actually went through, just so you know, pull the veil back. That was, I was speaking to the apostles in the room, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. Because Ephesians 4, 7 says we've all been given measure of Christ's gift. And he gave some to be apostles, prophets. So not everyone is called to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Like, I'm an apostle called to equip. But all of you are called to be apostolic. Right? Not everyone's called to be a prophet, to equip the saints for the prophetic ministry, but everyone's called to be prophetic. Right? Not everyone's called to be an evangelist, equipping the saints for evangelism, but everyone is called to be evangelistic. Right? Not everyone's called to be a pastor, but you are called to be a shepherd of your own soul and your family, your community, your friend group. Right? Not everyone's called to be a teacher, equipping the saints for the ability to teach, right? And instructing in wisdom. That's another one of mine. But everyone's supposed to be able to give a response, an understanding. I, I know why I believe what I believe, right? Are you following me? So I'm just trying to apply this message into your spiritual DNA here. Maybe you need to go back and listen to this later and really think through those lenses. Well, you probably already did, honestly. So... But the point is that if we take holiness and we pick it up and say, this isn't the path, it's the purpose, we are going to never grow in the love of God. The fullness of the measure of the stature of Christ, Ephesians 4. How loving is Jesus? How loving are we? You're like, I don't know the right answer anymore because you said, like, we're one. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's okay. We can be honest about where we are. In fact, present awareness is required for forward progress. So it's not about present condemnation. It's present awareness. Like, oh, man. Some of y'all, when I was hitting some of the buttons, you're like, I do that. I do that. Just stop doing that. Okay. But you can't be like, I don't do that. <laughs> yes, you do. Everybody knows you do. <laughs> it's obvious to all of us, you know. <laughs> you're like the last person to find out about it. It's funny. It's like bad breath. Your nose is the closest nose to your mouth but you're the last one to find out you have bad breath. Like your nose is the closest nose, hopefully, to your mouth, unless somebody is like leaning up against your mouth. And yet you are the last one to know. That's how it is sometimes. <laughs> That's how it is. And it's not to be condemning, but let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. I hope no one here is hearing me say, we don't need to pray. 
We don't need to read our Bibles. We don't need to gather at church. We don't need to give. We don't need to do all the things. I am not saying any of that. I'm saying all of those things are not the point. They're the path. The point is love. So if you want love, if you want to grow in love, you need to do all those things. But not for the sake of becoming something, but because he has made you something. Does this make sense? So like First Friday worship's coming up. We're doing this 24-hour thing every, every month. First Friday, 24 hours of prayer and worship. Our church is one of those churches that's like prayer hasn't, like a prayer meeting is like the least attended meeting. I want to see a change. Right? And a teaching like this might even sound like you're saying I don't need to go to the prayer meeting. I'm saying you should respond to the Lord's leading if he sends you to the prayer meeting. And maybe you should even ask him if you should go. And maybe ask him how long. Maybe start a conversation. Right? We have historically this campus is not not the truth, but as a whole church, our resting place church, we haven't been very well attended in out in outreaches, love reaches. This campus is the exception because you have an evangelist at the helm and his grace gets on you. You can't help it, right? That's how it works. He's equipping the saints for the work of evangelism. It just happens around Abraham. I remember there's lost people when I get around Abraham. <laughs> it's funny. I just don't, throughout my normal day, I'm like, you know, I just kind of assume everybody knows Jesus, and then I go to the cable park, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. Never mind. Or I get around Abraham, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm starting, I'm starting to pray for people that I have been praying for for a long time to come to the Lord, all that stuff. It's like it just happens. You get around a guy like that, it happens, right? But our church historically, in general, and we're working on this, on ways to get Abraham, you know, as a tractor beam, right? We're working on it. But this is, this is the thing. We shouldn't. We shouldn't only wait for God to draw us through someone else's grace. We should be obedient children. And when it says go, you go. When the Lord says go, you go. In fact, the gospel is spelled G-O-S-P-E-L-L. Go spell it out. A, B, C, D, Jesus loves me. Right? Go spell it out for them. Amen. Right? But then there's people here. You're called to shepherd. You're called to create community. You're called to, you know, do that. Do it with all your might. And don't ignore problems. That's what shepherds do. That's why there's all this stuff in the church. Like it comes out every other month or something. Somebody, some scandal, some child was, was hurt or something. And it was covered up by the church. Those are shepherds who don't want to scatter the flock. But that is not a foundation of love because you love that child, because you love the people, because you love the one in deception who's doing the harming. You rebuke that mess publicly and quickly. We don't play, right? So are you seeing the both and dynamic here? But the purpose of holiness is love, and I want to grow in that. I want to grow in love. So let's stand together. We're just going to hand it off here after I pray for you. And I'm handing it off to who? So I'll hand it off to Heather. Okay. But, yeah, let's just pray. And I want you just to kind of let's have one of those moments of present awareness, okay? So just close your eyes. Nobody's looking at you. I'm not even looking at you. All right? And just ask the Lord, where am I not on the path? Where have I stepped off the path? Where have I forsaken the ways of God and said, you know what? I know, the, I know what I've been taught. I know what the Bible says, but I'm just going to do something different. Where have I 
forsaken the best ways and taken on lesser ways. Just ask the Lord. No one's going to ask you. This is not um, going to be for public consumption. But you just ask the Lord. And if he shows you something, just do what the Bible says. Repent, which means to change the way you think about that. It's not okay. But don't come to him hoping to clean yourself up. Come to him because he has made you righteous. And you're just, right now I'm calling every person in here to act like their selves. <laughs> act like your true self. And walk in his ways. And maybe just put your hand on your heart and say, Lord, draw me into love. Draw me into greater love. Take me on the path that leads to greatest love. I say yes to your holiness pathways so that I can become a great lover. Come on, connect it, y'all. Y'all got to connect it. Not for the sake of walking the path. So that I can be a great lover of God and of men. People get around me and they feel the love of God. Let them feel it because I'm on the path. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we say yes to your pathways because of where it's leading us. Where it's leading us. Wow, uh, I think I'm getting a word of knowledge right now. Someone in here, you, you know you're called to serve actually at this, at this campus. And you, you, you're like, I can't because I do this. And it's not right. But God's saying, God's saying stop doing that and serve. So, amen. Hallelujah. Whoever that is, you take it or don't. <laughs> Jesus is king. Holy Spirit, we trust you to draw all men unto yourself. And Father, right now, I release, I release right now, in the name of King Jesus, a desire for the love of God, a greater desire for the love of God to be made manifest, the love of God to be manifest. And God, I thank you for an acceptance right now, an acceptance of your ways. With my brothers and sisters here, I say we accept your ways, God. Come on. We accept your ways. Tell them, I accept your ways, God. Your ways are the best ways, and they lead me to deeper love. They lead me to deeper love. So help me, Lord. Show me. Show me the edges of the path. Show me where I might, may or may not be walking on the path so that I can walk into greater love, love for my neighbor, love for myself, love for the world. Thank you, Jesus. And Holy Spirit, we pray right now that you would, you would, birth in us desire for the path <laughs> desire to pray keep your eyes closed and everything but I'll just say this I for the first year and a half almost two years of this of this church even up to then I did not have a love of prayer I didn't I led a church for two years without loving to pray <laughs> prayer was a tool that I used to get stuff done and only when I had to it did. It's just true. Like, I relied on God, but I didn't spend time in prayer. You know? I, I spent time in prayer to get a message. I spent time in prayer. It was a tool, if that makes sense. It wasn't a delight. And then I asked the Lord, make me, make it a delight. And he did. And I got gripped for prayer. And now it is truly a delight. So you can pray that. You can say, Lord, make your ways a delight to me. Make your ways a delight to me. Make prayer a delight. <laughs> Make righteousness a delight. Make abstinence a delight. Come on. <laughs> Make, 
make pure speech a delight because it takes us into greater love it leads us to love <laughs> make serving a delight lord jesus some of you maybe maybe you actually had that at one point you loved serving but then it became like something like a burden and it was no longer a delight pray ask the lord make it a, make it a delight again i'm ready to walk the path of delight in the light <laughs> in jesus name so holy spirit we thank you we thank you for this word we pray god that we would continue to fight the fight of faith and no lesser fights the highest fight of faith in believing what you said believing what you did believing every word that's uttered from your mouth both in the bible and now both lord your logos and your rhema both god we believe you we trust you and we bless you in jesus name thank you for listening to this podcast from the resting place south tampa campus we hope you feel honored empowered and full of faith because of what you hear and we would love to see you at a gathering soon for more resources like this head to trpfamily.org